0: sorry to disappoint you. So what was your expectation? Nah, I'm just an everyday dude. Oh, you expected perfection? This is what Christianity is supposed to be like. I make mistakes. Like, lots of mistakes. I'm just trying to do the best that I can do. I guess I'm just imperfectly human. Welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Human podcast. I am your host, Mister Daily, and um, it's been a while. It's been a it's been a couple of weeks since I last posted the podcast. I, my apologies. Um, there was a little miscommunication in my schedule. So, anyway, I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for still rocking with me. Um, I want to thank all my listeners on. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, TuneIn, Transistor itself, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you listen to, I appreciate you. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your favorite streaming platform. I appreciate it. So, for those of you that are in the know, and for those of you that are not in the know, I am. Mr. Daly, David Daly, I am the principal consultant of Yellow 8 Design. And Yellow 8 Design is a digital consultancy, focuses on getting people noticed. We get people noticed by the people that they want to notice them. How do we do this? So, digital digital marketing is one of those things that we do. Functional design because we believe the functionality of your product is important, the user experience journey, um, your own customer journey and your all of these things, all wrapped up and underpinned by analytics. That is the lifeblood of our of, of Yellow 8. So that's Yellow Eight. If you want to find out more, go to www.yellow8.co.uk And that's yellow8design on Instagram, yellow8design on Facebook and at yellow8design on Twitter. That's on Twitter. It's yellow8dsgn. So what are we talking about today? I am talking to you today about... My favorite topic, data. This episode is called "Why You Need to Do Data." So, why do you need to do data? Oh, oh, oh! Before I dive into that, let me, let me, let me finish off what I was saying. So, why did I create this podcast? Because this is specifically for for the newbies. I created this podcast because I wanted to. Catalog the journey of a Christian entrepreneur. For most of you that know me from season one, you will know from my conversations with Dr. Terence Johnson um, that I was on my entrepreneurial journey. I've been on my entrepreneur. I've been on my journey for a very long time, but I've had a safety net. Um, so whilst I'm self-employed, whilst I work for myself, I've had very a very comfortable. Um, Number of contract opportunities that have kept me gainfully employed employed what that is also but the limiting factor of that and this is full transparency here um, that 's not diminished that 's not taken away from anyone who is a contractor or anyone who 's um, self employed in that in that fashion, but for me, it was a limiting factor because it limited the number of clients I could work for concurrently. Um, because literally they are buying 40 hours of my week and which for most of us is a full working week. So, um, that became, it became an issue for me. And I started to look at the opportunities of how I could break away from that, especially given that I wasn't really doing what I enjoy doing. My work lacked the creative element that I needed. So I created Yellow 8 Design and I've started to transition myself from what I do um, in a professional world in terms of business analysis and all of that. And I've incorporated all of these things into what I do today. But my focus in Yellow 8 Design is more around the creative elements and ensuring that I'm doing bits that I enjoy. Because guess what? If you're not passionate about it, you won't enjoy it and it just becomes a chore. I don't want this to be a chore. I don't want this to be something that I hate doing. I want to always ensure that I'm getting up to do the things that I love. So, I took the bold step to start to reshape my life to to fit that. Anyway, that's the background. That is So, this podcast catalogues my journey. Um, What's unique about my journey is that I'm a Christian entrepreneur. Um, There are many of us out there, but we... Why is that important? It's important because my life is governed by my Christian principles My faith is the foundation of my life So therefore my faith is the foundation of my business and what I do Everything I do is underpinned by my Christian beliefs So I will not do anything shady I will not do anything underhanded I will not try to pull a fast one on anyone because that goes against everything I believe in as a Christian and therefore goes against my values as a Christian entrepreneur. Um, also, the a big part of what I do is about creating a better world for, for people. Um, while uh, Whilst a lot of people will, will scream that they are capitalists and it's about the almighty dollar, the almighty pound, whatever you want to call it, Um, that's their focus. My focus is on whilst I need to make a living, I, for me, I want to enjoy what I do. I want to make sure that the people that I'm providing a service for get the best, um, what they deserve. I'm not trying, um, whilst it'd be great to make a a ton of money, that would be great. But, um, if I do, it's more about helping others. I want to create Something that allows me to be happy so that I can help people create their own happiness. So there is a slight difference in how I approach things, and that's not that's not to say that there aren't entrepreneurs who are not Christians who have these similar values, but that is the foundation of what I believe. That is that for me, that's my foundation is my Christianity, and that is what drives me and the way that I move. So Anyway, with that said, let's get into to, um, this week's topic. This week's topic is data. Why you should d- do data, and more specifically, I am going to give you um, where is it? Let's let's look for it. Uh, five basic reasons why you need to do data. So, um, why is it, for me data is a very important thing because. I believe I, I've said it. Data is the life, lifeblood of my my business. Everything I do is underpinned by data. Everything I do has a foundation on data. I I love, I love to crunch data. I love the numbers. Even when I had other ventures, they were always underpinned by data. Um, when I did the property search stuff, it was underpinned by data. My I created. Um, models to help me estimate the best va- the best offers to put forward for a property based on a number of variables. Um, I analysed the property market in a number of different um, cities and towns and whatever to find the best opportunities in the places that had the maximum return and the places that had the maximum growth potential. And depending on that, that gave me a place to pitch to my clients as to where to put their money. So that was I love data. Everything I do is about data. So um, that so for me, when I when I start to talk to you about data, I get excited about it. It's because I think hey, this stuff is great. If you really understand it, if you really took the time to invest in data, you can achieve some amazing things, you can get some great results. But I am gonna give you an I, I'm talking about the five basic reasons here, five basic reasons why you should, why you need to do data. If I wanted it to be more prescriptive, I would probably say that there are, I could probably list 10 reasons why you should do data. Um, but I'm giving you the first five because these are the basic things. This, these are the basic benefits of doing data. So number one, you need to do data in order to understand how your business is truly performing. Now, from a very simple angle, everyone should understand that. You want to know what the bottom line is. You want to know what's coming in versus what's going out. You want to know whether your business is constantly growing or whether your business is shrinking. You want to know whether uh, whether you're having... One good month versus twelve good months. You want to know exactly how your business is performing. Um, is it? Are you constantly in the red? And yet you'll say, "Well, my accountant can tell can tell me that." You want to know before your accountant does. You should know way before your accountant start telling you that. You should. But if if it gets to the point where your accountant is telling you that your business is not performing well, you are already it's already too late. You're already too far down the line. That's not to say you're too far to turn it around. But in my opinion, you're too far down the line because you should know how your business is performing on a day to day basis, on a week by week basis, on a month by month basis, quarter by quarter um biannual, um, which one is it? Biannual, biannual, not biannual. Biannual basis and also by, uh, on a yearly basis. You should have these metrics in place. You should be able to compare like for like periods um, to understand whether you're doing better than you were 12 months ago. That's what most businesses do. They, compare, they will co- compare Q1 of 2021 to Q1 of 2020 and say, hey, how are we doing compared to this period last year? And then they will try and understand, well, what was different in 2020 to 2021? Why, has, why is there a shift in performance? Or if there isn't a shift, why haven't we grown? Why isn't there any progress? Why are we still stagnant? it's critical to understanding how your business operates um you have to do the data you have to you have to have the the information to help you to make informed decisions about your business especially as a small business owner um or even if you are uh, a franchise owner, whatever, whatever you may be, whatever you you consider your business to be, you need to understand its performance. You need to know whether it's doing well or where and where you need to make adjustments in order to continue to maintain a steady growth or steady um, or maintain that steady performance. Anyway, that's how I'll put it. So for me, that is bog standard. That is the basics. How do you do this? Compare your sales What are your Capture the information About your sales Capture the um, Know what your Overall income And expenditure is um, For your business What are your fixed costs In your business Are they going up Are they going down Um, What are your variable costs in your business and how can you maintain and this is similar to your personal life you should be you should consider these things in your personal life as well but um in your in your business what are your variable costs how can you adjust them to 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 make sure that you're staying on top of things what are your what are the trends in in your supplier your supplier costs um Marketing costs, all of these things are elements of your business that you need to understand and you need to track. Um, So did my sales increase because I spent more on marketing in a particular period? This is information you should have in order to understand how your business is truly performing. So that's that's number one for me. That's the basic. That's the bare bones. Number two. You need to do data to understand your customers. And I find it so funny that people in this day and age, this is 2021, the era of online shopping and the digital age. And people are still comfortable with... You know, only having customer information um, at the most basic level, name, address and um, credit card details and that's it. Or, you know, the the most basic information about your customer. Hey, it's great if you capture that because at least you're ahead of those who are, um, who have a brick and mortar store and do not collect anything about their customer. Consider your local supermarket or let's let's not just talk about the local one let's talk about the, the, the chains um but this is relevant to any to most britain i want to say any but it is relevant to any it's not that every single one does it so everyone should do it not everyone does it but think about sainsbury's Think think about tesco think about morrison's think about waitrose think about um most of these big supermarket chains, they have a loyalty program. They have, you, you've got Nectar, you've got um, the Tesco Club card, you've got the John Lewis partner card, or the Waitrose, card, whatever, I, I don't know what it is now, but you have a loyalty scheme. Why do you think they do this? Because not only when you register, they they capture all the information about you. They know your name, your address, your age. Um, they will ask general lifestyle questions about you because they're saying they want to tailor the offers that they give you. Yes, they do. But in order to tailor the offers, they need to know as much detail about you and your life as possible. Then they have An understanding of exactly how you shop Because every time you shop They gather that information So they know what you put in your basket On a regular basis They know when you treat yourself They know how often you treat yourself They know what you treat yourself to Um Now, they can combine this depending on who they have partnerships and agreements with. And if you read the terms and conditions of your loyalty program, um, most of them will say that they they will ask for your permission to share your data with third parties. Why do they do this? Because they can buy the information or they can sell your name and address information to third parties or they can share it within their bigger group. Because don't forget, Tesco's have a bank, Sainsbury's have a bank. Therefore, they can share this information within their wider group who have access to the credit bureaus who can get information about your financial habits and your spending patterns and they can build a wider, more holistic picture about your lifestyle and your spending habits and your income and your expenditure and what you do. They will know the significant life change events uh, in, in your life. If you suddenly start putting nappies in your shopping, they know that you've just had a baby. If you um, If you're buying a lot of ready meals and they can see from information that that they've got from partners and so on that you've just taken out a mortgage or you've just inquired about mortgage hey they know that the likelihood is that you've probably just moved into your new house and guess what you're going to need some stuff that they can offer you and the offers will be tailored to suit that part that period in your life It's not by chance. It's not coincidence. This is what people do with data. This is why data is so powerful. Data allows you to cross sell, upsell, whatever kind of sell you need to do to your customer in order to keep their business. Because, hey, they don't want you to, they don't want You to go elsewhere and spend that money elsewhere when they can offer you that service. And if they feel they can offer you everything under one roof, doesn't that seem more appealing? Of course it does. Because then it's convenience. A lot of us get caught out by the convenience trap because we think, oh, well, I'm already here. I'll just do it here. Knowing that the likelihood is that we are overpaying for something because we are not comparing the market the uh, it's important it's important to and this is why it's important to use data gather the data around what you want and understand what the comp, what the what the market has to say about this we and we're going to get to that one in a, a bit later but gather if you can gather more information about your customer you know more about your customer you know how your products relate to your customer you know how to Advise them on which of your products best suits their current position in life and what they're doing. And if you have a certain demographic that is coming to your business and and being underserved, you understand that, hey, I'm missing a trick here. There is a gap in the market for me and I can capitalize on this gap because these people are already coming to me looking for some kind of service and I'm having to turn them away because I'm not providing it or they're looking for me looking at me for some kind of product and I'm turning them away it's not rocket science it's common nah it's not common sense it's not common sense sense is not common sense is not common definitely not but This is an important, important, important element. It's probably, I say it's basic. I I do say it's basic because it is a basic thing to gather information about your customer. You don't have to gather information to the nth degree. It it does benefit you if you do. But there's no point gathering all this information if you don't know how to analyze it. That's, That's an important point. Let me, let me put that out there. That, that, that's a message right there. Don't, there's no point gathering the nth degree of data. If you don't know how to analyze it, gather the basics and learn how to maximize the value from the basics. The basics is understanding the demographic that your business appeals to. The basics is understanding when your customers buy from you, why they buy from you, what they like to buy from you, how often they buy from you, um, what they bundle together when they're buying from you. Once you start to understand how your customer shops with you, you can put together offers and deals and things to maximise the customer value. Maximise the value of that customer to your business. Take the customer from being worth £10 to your business to being worth £100 to your business because you've increased the amount that they are purchasing by understanding their needs and catering to those needs. Sounds very basic, sounds very simple, and it can be. But in order to do it, you have to understand data, you have to do data, you have to be willing to invest in data. So no more to say about that one. And that is kind of surface, uh, you know, I would like to get deeper into it because there are so many fun things you can do with data. And that's one of the things we do at Yellow 8. Anyway, number three, you need to do data in order to manage your inventory or your services. Why do I say this? Very basic, very simple. If you don't know when your what your customers are buying from you and when your customers are buying from you, there is a likelihood that you will be understocked at some point or overstocked at some point. If you are overstocked, you need to understand why your customers aren't buying it from you. Why are you investing money and pouring out capital into a product that's not moving off the shelves? If it's not move if it was moving off the shelves and it suddenly isn't, why is it suddenly stopped moving off the shelves? When did it stop moving off the shelves? Were there any other significant changes t- into your inventory or your services that made that product less appealing? Did you release a new product that other people suddenly that, that your customers suddenly thought, hey, this is way better than that one and it's quite similar, I'm gonna go for this over that one? Understand the data around your product and services because when you do you know how to manage your stock, you know how to manage what you are bringing into your business you know how to manage what services you offer you know how to adjust your pricing be um, customers can be very price sensitive, so you need to understand what that fine line is for your customer. When does something suddenly become too expensive? When does it suddenly lose its value appeal to them? You've got to know where the sweet spot is and you can't figure out the sweet spot if you don't do data. So managing your inventory is an uh, another super, super duper important one and I think it's something that if you even if you want to get in at the basic levels of data, this is somewhere where you can start. You can start by just managing your inventory and understanding what's coming in and what's going out, why it's do, what's selling, why isn't sell what isn't selling, why is it selling, why isn't it selling? Um once so and I, I'm sorry to get a bit excited here, but You know, your inventory is one particular data set. Your customer data is another data set. Your um, business performance is another data set. And what you start to do in isolation, all of these data sets have value. They add value to your business. But when you start to combine these, you start to unlock new levels of insight and that's where the fun begins that's the exciting part understanding how your the changes to your customer demographic impacts your inventory and your services or how your inventory and your services um, impacts your customers and impacts your bottom line and all of that stuff that's where the fun is that's the exciting part But people don't even do the basics. How can you get to the sexy parts if you don't even do the basics? So, anyway, 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 let me not get too carried away. Um, Number four, you need to do data to respond to environmental changes. And when I say environmental changes, I'm not talking about the ozone layer and All of that sort of stuff, even though that's something that you should kind of consider about, you know, climate change and all of that. And how does it impact your business? What um, does it do to your business? Is your is your business climate friendly? Is that the term? Um, Because, hey, that's a that's a selling point that could actually increase the number of customers that come to you because they like your environmental standards and how you operate. Why do you think Apple continues to push this agenda of becoming a self-sufficient organization that recycles everything, that uses recycled materials, that recycles energy, um, robotics to to do all sorts of crazy stuff, harvesting solar power and and becoming its own independent grid for itself? So... They are doing the most when it comes to doing um, this stuff from a climate change and environmental angle, and it makes their it makes their organisation far more appealing. It makes it makes people it makes people want to buy Apple products. It makes you want to buy Apple products. So, anyway. When I say from an environmental perspective I'm talking about pestle analysis. And if you don't know what pestle analysis is, pestle stands for and here we go. Political, economic, sociological, technological, legal, and environmental, and I, I'm kind of wrapped everything up in environmental, but uh, you'll understand why. I'm talking about the things external to your organization that impact on the performance of your organization, that impact on your pricing, that impact on your products, that impact on anything that you do. So, political, for example, if the if the government m- m- Implement some, as they did, as they did when COVID hit There were some political decisions that meant that organisations or businesses could not open When businesses couldn't open, it meant, especially those that did not have a digital or online presence they It meant they couldn't trade, it meant their income was shut down that is a significant, significant impact. Now, any organization that had a sensible leadership team in January, back end of January 20, 2020, yeah, back end of January 2020, early February 2020, they would have been saying, hey, listen. This is brewing over in China. There's some noise about this over here. The USA are making some noise about this. If Sir, so, what is the worst case scenario of what could happen? What might the government do? And if the government do this, how are we going to respond? By paying a close ear to what is going on in government, you can under you can prepare yourself. Um, in you know, you can prepare yourself for the worst case scenario that in order to do that, you need to gather the data there. There is that data is not just about spreadsheets and things like that. It's about gathering some invite, some information and using it to make an informed decision. So data is data is just information, information that you gather. So that's one you economic if the stock market is crashing, if the FTSE 100 is down, um, if the Dow Jones is down, if you can see a downward trend, if you can see that the price of oil is crashing and the the price of gold is dropping, and these are, are some of the most stable commodities, if you see these changing, you need to consider, hey, what's, what does this mean for me? What does this mean in terms of the buying power of the consumer what is it what knock on effects is this going to have to the um, economic climate and in economic to the financial markets and therefore the spending ability or the, the buying power of the customer how are my competitors responding to this how how do i need to respond to the, to this shift You need to gather the data. You need to look at what's going on in the economic markets to ensure that you can take a strategic decision to ensure that you are not adversely impacted by any change. Sociological. So societal societal changes, changes in attitude, changes in preference. Um, Big societal movements. The Black Lives Matter was a societal change. Um, people decided that they were. There was an upsurge in the spend with black-owned businesses. If you were a black-owned business and you didn't know how to leverage or pivot yourself in order to ensure that you benefited from this sudden interest, you you didn't. You weren't paying attention to the data. Again, the data was the posts on social media, the trends, the hashtags that were trending, um, the BLM hashtag trending and all of that stuff is the data. The Black Pound Day and all of these things that were happening were telling you what the shift was from a sociological standpoint. And if you didn't Harvest that information and understand the shift that you needed to make to put yourself in the best position to take that. You you missed the trick. So that is another angle that you need to make sure that you're aware of. Technological Techno- technology is always shifting. I'm in a world of analytics. Analytics has shifted. Um, the technology that we use has shifted so many times. It started off from uh, things like matlab and and mathematica and uh some of you won't even know waterloo maple there were packages that we used back in the day especially i'm talking 20 25 years ago um some of these packages have grown from strength to strength um sas sas is still around sas is an awesome piece of kit. Uh, WPS. Um, NIME. There are so many different analytical packages and they continue to get better and they shift. And the shift that I've seen is a move from having to understand a programming language to visual programming, meaning you drag nodes and connect nodes and you configure these nodes and it writes the code in the background. That's a shift in technology. What does that mean? It means I can shift the type of person that I bring into my business because they don't need to understand how to write five or six different programming languages. They just need to understand the concepts behind the the various nodes. They need to have an understanding of the statistical procedures and so on and so forth. Meaning that I am not looking for specialists Anymore, I can look for someone that is a bit more general, and that can lower the, the cost to my business because specialist skill sets cost a lot of money. This is just an example of understanding what the shift in the market and in technology, um, how a shift in technology can impact your business. It, that's a that's a positive impact. Um, if you manufacture hardware or like computers and stuff like that, if the price of chips, um, if the price of microchips starts to shift, that's going to have an impact on your, on the cost to your business. Not only will it, it will lower your manufacturing cost, but it may also impact your selling cost or your selling price because, hey, people are going to be thinking, well, since it's cheaper to get this, the price should come down. And if your price doesn't and your competitor's price comes down, you are pricing yourself out of the market. You have to pay attention to, to the trend and what people are doing. Um, the last one, the other E is environmental. And we've talked about this. This is what Apple does. And I'm, I'm not going to go over it again. But if, the, if, if there is a shift in that area, how does it impact your business? How can your business leverage and pivot to use this to your advantage? So that was number four. Number five, we have the another basic. I I would consider this. Some people say this is an advanced one, but I would actually say this is still a basic one. And again, it's about combining these things and there are other actually there are other bits that you would need to do in order to to actually get true value from this and and let me explain so the last reason you need to do data is to optimize your business and why do i say this if you are a business if if, as a business you should have a series of operating procedures standard operating pre- procedures sops as we call them in in the industry you should have these things you should it means that every part of your business should should have a process that it follows and in order to, and if you follow this process the quality of your product can remain consistent because everyone is doing things in the same way or the quality of service provided is consistent because every employee every worker is operating in the same way they are following the same crib sheet they are following the same script stay with me so if you are doing this it means that there is an opportunity to measure different elements of this process because it is what a consistent process is a it's a simple sequential bit um series of activities that take place and you can measure each step in that process to see how efficient that step is. So overall, you can measure the effectiveness of that standard operating procedure or that process. Now, when you start to track this information, when you start to measure each Part of the process, and we had this. There, there is an ele- There's an area of statistics known as statistical process control, and it links links into that po- that element of statistics. In statistical process control, statistical process of control was created to. It, it was primarily used for the manufacturing world, where you would be manufacturing widgets and all all these little bits, all these little um, gizmos, and and. Parts for whatever you are making and the the machines would be spitting these things out on a consistent basis maybe 2000 an hour now you would want to track the performance and statistical process control basically put tolerances around the process if you know it can do 2000 an hour if you suddenly drop to doing 1500 that might be outside of tolerance so you want to stop the process and see what's going on why is it suddenly dropped down if you suddenly do 2500 an hour hey why is it suddenly gone up Is something broken and therefore it's missing out certain steps and getting through more quickly so that's that's a basic example of statistical process control and you can implement this in your business if you have a process if you have a standard operating procedure, you can put statistical process control around it. you can have a tolerance around your process so you can know how many how many if let's say it's a process for cat for for registering new customers you should know how many customers you can get through that process in a day and to put tolerances around that. If it exceeds or drops below your tolerance, you know you have an issue. And that is where you are able to use that information to tweak and optimize your business and to keep your business working as efficiently as possible. And there are other more creative things you can do in terms of optimization. And this is where you start to bring the various data sets together. You start to create more complex models. You start to com- create um different views of your customer um different segments with different characteristics and you start to tweak and tweak and play and as you could probably tell i'm speaking fast i'm getting excited because this is the stuff that i love i i can't tell you how passionate i am about data and i want more people to be passionate about data um if you want to hear more about data, if you want to talk to me more about data, please reach out to me, david at yellow8.co.uk. Um, reach out to me on Instagram, reach out to me on Twitter, reach out to me on Facebook. I would love to continue talking to you about this, but we, have, we are coming to the end of the show. So... I want to make sure that I remind you that you can continue to listen to the Imperfectly Human podcast on your favorite streaming platforms. Please go ahead, subscribe so you know every time a new podcast is posted. My Again, my apologies for missing a couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to try and stay consistent. Uh, so forgive me, but we're are, we going to get back on top of things. Some stuff has been happening in the background. Uh, my schedule got messed up a little bit, but I'm trying to get back on top of things. We still have a few more episodes in this season. So keep rocking with us. It's going to be fun. And um, I think... I'm trying to think if there are any any other kind of notices I need to give you. Oh, 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 right. Now, if some of you listen to the Daily Perspective podcast, I just want to let you know that the Daily Perspective podcast is coming to an end. It's a sad time, but it's coming to an end because I want to focus my energy on the Imperfectly Human podcast. Anyway, keep tuned in. Keep listening. I will catch you next week. Have a great week, people. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Imperfectly Human podcast. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast. You can do this on your favourite streaming platforms.